everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and I am here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki. Hello, Pete. How are you? I'm doing so well. Me too. Can you imagine? I feel like uh, I, I feel like I'm bringing the family together. Yeah, I This bet. is one of my favorite things. We are continuing our series on limiting beliefs this week, and we're, we're, we are uh, creating a rift in the space-time continuum in the process. Uh, so just just get ready. Uh, to get set, head over to TakingControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show there on the website or subscribe on our mailing list, which really is the best way to get the show every single week. Uh, you can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD, and you can call us. Of course, we would love to to hear from you 503-664-4ADD to get your voice your thoughts your questions on this show and i have one piece of follow-up before we get started can i read an email nikki oh yes please i love it so much uh, this is this came in from a listener after our january 31st show uh, in which i embarrassingly talked about my technology failure and uh, this this one came in from a listener. The podcast you did on January 31st of this year about technology failure spoke straight to me. I am a photographer, and I recently lost all the photos from a senior shoot that I shot. When I realized what I had done, I was frozen. I didn't even want to touch my camera. Lots of self-talk that was saying, what kind of real photographer are you if you possibly erased a photo shoot from an SD card? Among other negative comments that my brain could think up, I didn't realize until I listened to you today that I was frozen. Well, the freeze stops here. Good thing that I've learned from it, and now I have a system in place to never let it happen again. Well, today, I meet with my client to let her know what happened. I dread her reaction, but I feel I owe it to her to give her the truth. Hopefully, it will turn out okay. Uh, that is amazing to me. I because this goes, Nikki, to what we were talking about about self talk. One of the reasons it was such a kind of vulnerable episode around me and technology is because when you do that, you feel like you're alone, like you are the only idiot that that could have happened to. Mm-hmm. And so I just really want to thank uh, this uh, listener for writing in and sharing that story because you are not alone, neither was I, and we're all at some point vulnerable to this stuff. So congratulations, and I hope it went well with your client. Uh, so. And it probably did, right? I mean, I'm going to assume that it it did. And yeah, I I love your story. I still talk. I keep talking about it. Like I'll talk to (laughs) clients about it. I'm like, oh, you've got to listen to this episode. It's so good. (laughs) Um, So I'm really glad that it it spoke to people. But you know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, I didn't watch the Grammys, but I saw on the news this morning about where Adele started her song tribute to George Michael and she actually stopped to to do it again. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Well, it was really I didn't see the whole performance, but I saw a, a clip where she started to sing um, a song for George Michael and she actually stopped and said, I'm really sorry. I need to start again. And she, you know, I'm sorry for cursing or whatever. But she was like, I got to get this right for him. And wow. all these people like, you know, g- gave her basically, I think because I didn't see the whole thing, but at the end gave her a standing ovation, you know, when she finished. And so I just think it's cool that somebody like Adele, right? My gosh, beautiful voice and so poised that she was up there and said, hey, this isn't right. I got to do it again. I'm so sorry. I know this is live TV, but I just thought that's really cool. So That's amazing. That is amazing. You know, and speaking of music, uh, Prince is available on all the streaming platforms starting this week. So everybody go start listening to Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Shout shout out to Purple Power. 
Okay. Uh, Okay. Let's get (laughs) this show started. Can we please? Uh, Michelle Chalfont is a speaker, a therapist, an author with a broad set of tools for helping others to live their authentic lives. She's also a podcaster. Want to know how I know? Because she podcasts with me. Uh, (gasps) You have another co-host? I do. This is the first I've heard of this now. How dare uh, you, Pete? I am the worst. <laughs> uh, Michelle, welcome to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank this you, is, Pete. Michelle, we have Hi, a Nikki. really good um, opportunity here to mess with with Pete, just telling you. <laughs> this feels, it, it really is, this is a terrible thing for me. I have to let you both know, this is terrible. Michelle and, and I podcast, uh, our, our show is called The Adult Chair, and The Adult Chair is uh, references Michelle's model for helping uh, people live their most authentic lives, and it's it a it's fantastic. It's something I think about all the time in the way I relate to the world, and last week on the show, I mentioned Michelle, we were talking about you know living in fact and truth, asking yourself, what is fact and truth as it relates? relates to these limiting beliefs, right, around our ADHD, when we're struggling with ADHD, when we're feeling compromised, as, as I had been describing. I've been feeling um, the, the challenge that you have is the self-talk, the self-loathing, the judgment all comes right to the surface, and, and it's, it becomes this center of kind of great sort of pain, and you tell yourself this story that just isn't real. So I thought, I, I have to get Michelle to come over a, across the fence the, uh, the the podcast fence and and join us as a guest on this show uh, and and to to share her insights not only to introduce us to the adult chair metaphor I think it would be I, I hope it is as impactful to others as it has been for me and to to talk to us about these these stories that we tell that lead to our limiting beliefs so Michelle Pete. welcome 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 thank and thanks for being thank here. You. Yes, thank you for being Well, thank you both. I'm so excited. But it is weird, <laughs> I have to say. I'm like, Nikki, who's Nikki? <laughs> Pete's mine. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're very territorial. Right? <laughs> no, I, like I said, I, I have listened to your show, Nikki, and I really, really love your show. So um, thank you for having me on. Thank you both. I appreciate it. So let's talk about the, can we talk about the adult chair first? What the, I, I'm hoping that you can just set the stage by giving us the model. Like, what is the model? What does it purport to do? How does it help people? Uh, because uh, it, it has certainly helped uh, helped me in my approach to the world. How, how do you help people approach the world? Yeah, um, it's a model of transformation. Um, I'd also would call it a model of maybe self-discovery, where it helps us to find and live in truth, our truth, which when we do that, it sets us free of what you were saying, all of the stories and the assumptions. So the model is based in, um, it's based on, really, it's based on our timeline, our lifeline. And I've broken um, our lifeline up into three stages. In each stage, I put in what's in a chair. So from about zero to six, we are in what's called the child chair. And when we're there, the primary thing that we learn there is are all about true feelings and true needs. And a true feeling, again, would be fear, sadness, grief, I don't matter, I'm not good enough, I hate myself, shame, all of those things are feelings. And the needs are things, and I don't mean physical needs, I mean emotional needs, although we also learn about physical, but um, the emotional needs that we learn there are things like 
um, I need a I need a hug or I might need a kiss or I need you to tell me that you love me. Things like that. From about zero to six, our subconscious is recording every single event that happens in our lives. Everything. It's like we're sponges. And then it gets stored in the unconscious mind. So just remember that for later. <laughs> so then for at about six <laughs> or seven until about 20-ish, 20 somewhere, I live, we, we live in what we call the, the adolescent chair. And that's where the ego comes into play, um, which by the way, is based in fear. So we live in, again, these stories and assumptions. We don't live in the moment. We live in future or past. Uh, the ego's job is to keep us safe. So everything that happens from this chair is based in fear. So this is where we also might learn about codependency, narcissism, um, con- where we, this is where we learn all about feeling controlling or perfectionism, um, addiction since sit would sit here. If you saw the movie Inside Out, you remember that movie with all those little characters in the mind? Totally great. Talking about okay, that's kind of what's happening with these chairs. Is we've got all these different voices that come into play, and they each have their own chairs. So there are a lot of different voices that happen in this adolescent chair, and then around the age of twenty to thirty, somewhere in there, around average age of twenty-five, we learn to live in this adult chair. If we had, this is the key: modeling to teach us how to do that. When we're there, we live in the moment. We live with fact and truth. Uh, we live with compassion for ourselves. We live for, with compassion for others. We learn how to set boundaries. This is the seat of consciousness versus the adolescent chair is the seat of unconsciousness. Um, this is the chair where we would respond versus react. We're very reactionary from that adolescent chair. So living in the adult chair, um, it really changes us. And unfortunately, most of us don't know how to live in this chair. So this model teaches people how to move into that chair and into that way of living, really. How's that for putting it in that, a nutshell? That was that was perfect. That was yeah, exactly was. what I was hoping for. And and you know, one of the things that that I, I find so interesting about that is that we're not talking about your chronological age, right? How does chronological no. age relate to the ages that you associate with these chairs? After we we leave this child stage, what happens is these aspects of us are very much alive. They live within us. That's what. That's why it's called the quote-unquote inner child. And then the adolescent phase, even though we're maturing and we might be in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on, we are reacting from a very um, a younger place than our physical age. So this is not about physical age. This is how are we showing up in the world? If so, if I'm being controlling, I'm in my adolescent chair. So, and what's wild is that the adolescent chair, when we're living there, has the average emotional age of a teenager. And they usually say like 12 to 15. So -hmm. when you have an idea to do something or where we're lost in a story or an assumption, it's actually coming from that chair. And these ideas of, let's say, um, this is, this is the part of us that, that will come up with vices. So when I'm really stressed, I'm going to go eat potato chips, let's say. That's coming from an adolescent way of thinking. That's that emotional age of an adolescent. Let's go have a beer. Let's go get, yeah, let's go get high. Let's go, anything I can do to shove down these emotions, I'm going to do from this adolescent chair. So chronological age means nothing. So you can be 75 years old and living from your adolescent chair, which of course most of us do. We pick our partner from that chair. We make big 
choices in our lives based on this adolescent chair, unless we're in this, again, very present moment state where we're sitting with what our truth is, we're not good at slowing down. And when we're moving really fast and we're all stressed out, we're in this adolescent chair. So my work is to teach people how to live in their adult chair. And the people that I've taught, and I started with myself, of course, it's transformed their lives. It changes the game. Nikki, what do you think? I got to I got to hear what you think about this. Is this how does this model hit you in terms of the, you know, thinking about the chairs, particularly this adolescent chair? Oh, I totally understand what she's saying, especially when you're talking about how I mean, just life is so fast, right? So we're not we're very we tend to be more reactive than we probably should be. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, I, it's hard to live in the present moment because, you know, especially if you have anxiety like myself, I tend to live either in the past or worry about the future. So that um, gets in the way. When I'm listening to her, though, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, how do you get to the adult chair then? Like, I don't think I'm there yet. How do I get there? <laughs> like, I want to be there. Sometimes I'm there, but I'm not there all the time. <laughs> I want to know more about this adult chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, it's, and I actually have three chairs in my office. So when people come in and they start talking about their day and they might be upset about something, I'll say, why don't you report in from the chairs? And I have a child, an adolescent, and an adult chair. And the goal, of course, is to help them get in their adult chair. But um, they have to sit in that, in that adolescent chair and they'll say, I just feel like everything's moving so fast. And they'll say, slide over, take a deep breath, stand up, sit in that adult chair and just pause for a moment and they go, wow, everything just slowed down on him in this chair. I'm like, yes, the energy moves much slower. So some things that we can do to move into this adult chair, and I want to add a little side note here. The only part of us, so I want to back up for one minute. So the child part of us, again, has feelings and needs. And this is where our intimacy and vulnerability come from, our passion, our spontaneity, these beautiful things. Trust comes from this child part. The adult part of us is the only part that can tune into what we're feeling and then what we're thinking and how we are reacting. And then it brings consciousness down and we make a decision from there. It, it's the observer of all of these crazy thoughts that we have in this adolescent chair. So one way that helped me immensely, and this is what I teach, is to learn how to meditate we mu I have so many meditations that I've created for people because they say, I can't meditate. I can't turn off my mind. You're not supposed to turn off your mind. Meditation is learning how to become the observer of those thoughts. So it's sitting quietly and becoming a watcher. It's like you're watching a TV or a movie of those thoughts. And when we practice that in meditation, whether it be one minute of the day or an hour a day or 10 minutes, then it's like working out in a gym we work out these muscles, so then we're stronger throughout the day and the week. If you practice meditating once a day or a few times a week even, then it gets the mind in this practice of learning how to become an observer of our thoughts. When we do that, we are not as triggered by these thoughts throughout the day. It doesn't send us into bad places, into shame and into stories and all of these kinds of things when I learn how to observe my thoughts. That's one way. Another way to get in our adult chair is to start becoming aware of your breath. Because what do we do when we're stressed? We don't hold. breathe. Right. We hold our breath. We breathe from the high chest area. We take very short, quick breaths. Um, we take very, very shallow breaths. So when I'm feeling like overwhelmed about something, I don't care where I am. If I'm walking, driving, you know, I'll just, I'll just go, okay, hold on. 
am I breathing? <laughs> and even that question is putting me in the adult. The adult would is the only part of me that would ever ask that question. So I'll stop and take a really mindful breath or maybe five breaths. And then everything slows down. And then what do you know? I have a brand new perspective on what was stressing me out. Because what happens is that ego gets triggered. If we're afraid, that ego is like, it's like pouring gas on a flame. You know, it's like, oh my God, I got to figure it out right now. I got to figure it out. And it's like, do I? When I, when my adult energy, and it's an energy, when that consciousness comes in, everything slows down and I get a new perspective. Convincing the ego of that is tough because the ego goes, do more, do more, go faster. No, when you slow down is when you get these amazing ideas that drop in. You know, when you when you first started talking about meditation, you said, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do that. I can't slow down my brain. And I think a lot of people with ADHD still have that, stig- that stigma about it. Like, well, that's not for me. That's going to only be for somebody that, that, you know, really can focus. Any advice or thoughts on that? Well, I have ADHD. Oh, so there you go. I did not know that. Yes, okay. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Hey, <laughs> so learn something yeah. new every day. Okay. Yes, great. I'm in the club. <laughs> so you you yes. can tell all those people that's just a myth and it's not true. Uh, again, we're not supposed to. Here's the thing. With meditation, there's a big misconception that says I need to turn these thoughts off. We cannot. It's impossible. Right. This is what happens. Not only in meditation do we step into this practice or learn again how to flex this muscle of becoming an observer of our thoughts, okay? That's part one. Part two is when I become an observer, it's the thoughts start to, there's like, they call it, they actually call it the gap. There is actual, there's actually a gap in between those thoughts, so there might be, I always, you know, when I see thoughts, it reminds me of that ticker tape, like on CNBC with the stock market going across. Mm-hmm. That's how, yeah. that's how you need to watch these thoughts. So watch oh, that them. that is a great visual. Isn't that's, that cool? Yeah. That's okay. a great, I'm going to do that. Okay. Yeah. It's like a ticker tape. So it's like, yeah. okay, there's another thought. Oh, look, it's going by. There's another thought. Oh, that one's going by. And then what happens is you'll notice in between the thoughts is that space. And in that space is where the deepest connection to ourselves, to God, to the universe, whatever whatever you want to call it, that's where that happens. And the more that, that we practice meditation, the, the bigger the gap can get. Now, there are some days I have no gap. And there are some days where I have huge gaps. So it's different. It's different all the time. But if you might have just heard me say, it's a practice of meditation because we, it's something we never master. Even monks that have meditated for 40 years, they still call it the practice of meditation because yeah. mastering the mind is impossible. We can't, we can't master the mind. The mind and the ego, they're always going to rattle thoughts off. But it, the more we can become an observer, the less triggered we are and the more at peace we are within ourselves. You know, something I want to just bring up because you said something that gave me kind of an aha moment. You just mentioned that there's some times where you have a bigger gap or bigger space and other times you have no space or no gap at all. And I think that's interesting because I know for myself, one of the habits that I'm trying to get into is is doing a meditation um, or daily practice, a daily meditation. And so my mini habit is to do it for one minute. And uh, I think what you sort of just released me of is that pressure of on a busy day, like my Mondays are usually really busy. So maybe that's all I'm going to be able to do is that one minute of meditation. 
Mm-hmm. But on a Saturday or Sunday, when I'm not as rushed or don't have as many deadlines or appointments, I could actually sit and maybe do longer. And that's okay. Like, I know that logically, but you saying that also made me just feel better about that. Yeah. And and I say this to everybody, set the timer on your phone. <laughs> because the ego, that adolescent chair, when we're in that adolescent chair, what's it going to say? You don't have time for meditation. You got too much to do today. This is crazy. What are you going to take 20 minutes out of your day? Are you insane? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, slow down. I'm only going to meditate here for two minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm able to do a two minute meditation or a one minute or a five minute. And when there's a timer on your phone going, all of a sudden, the ego can relax a little bit and go, okay, as long as this timer is going off in three minutes, then I can do this. Think of it like this too with these thoughts. I just had a visual I want to share with you. Think about a little kid or someone that's coming up to you, tapping you on the shoulder. And every time that you look at that person next to you and you are looking back at that person as they're tapping you, you're giving it attention. But if you just keep ignoring that person and they're tapping you, tapping you, tapping you, those are like the thoughts coming in when you're meditating. When you just ignore and just watch they stop. They're going to stop tapping. They're going to stop catching your attention. It's just learning how to become an observer of it and not turning and going, oh, look, what do you want next to me? It's like, oh, look, someone's tapping me. Okay, I'm just going to let that go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. That's what we want to do. Just become that observer of that, of those thoughts. So a lot of times by the time, well, especially because I work with adults and uh, college students. And so by the time they are talking to me, they are really supposed not supposed to because that's not the right word but they're adults right so they they mm-hmm. they want to be in that adult chair um mm-hmm. but how do you get over or how do you work through i mean you you are talking about meditation so i understand that that's bringing you back into the moment but i'm curious about the the negative uh, self-talk and like the limiting beliefs and the things that my clients have either told themselves through the years as children, as adolescents, or they've, they've heard messages from teachers and parents and friends and why can't you do this? And why are you always late? And, you know, all of these things that they, they believe that this is who they are. I, I mean, that's a, that's a tough mountain to climb. I got to jump in on that because Nikki, I, you are, I mean, that's, you're like describing my Monday today. Like as we record this, I've I've just come off a a massive project with a huge workload and I am behind on like everything. And so my, my negative self-talk is I'm never going to be able to get on top of it again. Now my head is telling me, yes, you are. You just start with the first thing. How do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time. But my heart is telling me you are hopeless. You'll never get to the other side of this. You might as well go back to bed with a box of donuts. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's. I'm so glad you brought that up because yesterday I, I was so excited for this weekend to come because all my boys went skiing. My husband and my kids all went skiing out to Colorado. So I had the whole house to myself and I have all these things to do for Pete and some other people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm getting all this stuff done over this whole weekend. So Saturday, and I honestly knocked it out. Okay. And Saturday, I worked and worked and worked. Sunday, I got up, started working, and I wasn't feeling as productive. So by one o'clock, I said to myself, and I love, I get, I'm up early. So I had all this time. I was so organized. Houses, everything's ready to go. My house is clean. My office is ready to go. And I sit down at one o'clock and I go, I think I want to go watch a movie. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I was it. so. That's my feeling. And then the negative self-talk came in. And my thoughts went, you see, you freaking suck. Look at you. You got the <laughs> yeah. whole weekend. You were supposed to write this online class. You got this you workshop coming it. up. Pete is going to be so mad at you. You got that meditation <laughs> to turn into him. And that newsletter isn't even out. And, you know, I, I mean, my thoughts. And then my mood started going in the toilet. And my heart started racing. And I said, and I, and again, this is the thing. We walk around in, it's almost like a dream state. It's in the unconsciousness. So it's like all of these things are happening and I'm not even aware, but yet I am. If that makes any sense. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, so the thoughts are going. It's all, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to go watch a movie. It's not going to, I'm going to make popcorn. I'm going to go later. I'm just going to watch a movie for like two hours, then I'll start. And then I had the thought. And then I was like, you know what? And this is what I honestly do say to myself out loud. I said, I need my adult and I need her right now. And I stood up and I started walking around the house and I went outside. I took my dog and I stood in the backyard and I started stomping my feet on the ground, like not in a temper tantrum way, but like bringing in this energy of this higher self, my conscious self. I said, I need my adult. So when we start having these thoughts, change your state. So I got up from my desk physical state, I mean, and the emotional state. So I walked outside and I, and stomping our feet brings in our power. And again, not in a temper tantrum way, but I was evoking this, invoking this, evoking this energy. I was like, I want my energy to come in. I need my adult. So I started taking some nice, slow, deep breaths. And I'm just standing in the backyard, throwing my dog as Frisbee and the other one's out running around. I'm just standing there watching them, taking some deep breaths. And then the voices are going, here's what people don't understand about these voices that are all coming from this adolescent chair. The voices that are saying, blah, 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 like, you're stupid. Why, you know, you're never going to get this done. Your career set, you know, all that, all that stuff. You're fraud. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, your ADHD will yeah. keep you from being successful. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, yeah. Right? All, you name it. That's the, that's I, the I, voice. I said it. Listen to those voices. Break them out. I literally will, or figuratively, and, you know, it's all energy. But so all of these voices in your head, I will say, okay, I need to talk to that part. Who's saying that? And I get a, an image of who that is looking, that is saying all that. And I put them in front of me and I listen to them. They just want to be heard. Those parts are saying all these things to you, believe it or not, because they're trying to keep us safe. They're trying to keep us happy and they're not doing a great job and they don't know that they're not. They're just logic and they're ripping off all these thoughts and it's making us feel really bad. Remember, the thoughts are coming from the adolescent chair. The child chair is feeling all the feelings around the thoughts. So I started out with the chair with all the the parts in the adolescent. I was like, and this is this is the analogy I do. This is a great analogy. I'm the CEO, which is the adult, and I put all those voices at a big round table in front of me. And I have them all, all, I give them all an image, and I listen to every single part that's speaking. And sometimes I've got a part that's screaming and crying and yelling at me. And then I've got another part that's really worried. We're not going to get anything done. I got another part that's telling me Pete's going to fire me because (laughs) I'm not good. Honestly, they're bad. Like they're not. And I just listen. Like what would a good CEO do? On a Monday morning, the CEO would sit down and go, let's talk about what's going on. Listen to all of those parts. And then, and then at the end of the meeting, the CEO would say, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate all of your concern. I've got this. That's the thing. That ego or the adolescent part just wants to know that someone is in control here and they think they are. That part of us that average age is 12 
thinks it's in, that it is in control. It doesn't know that there's an adult sitting right next door. So I just say, I got this. And then I tuned into my feeling. What were my feelings? I felt like a failure. I felt overwhelmed. I felt really sad. I just brought up all those feelings. That's the child. So I'm tuning into these different parts of me. This, by the way, took me all of five minutes at the most. Five minutes that, that will ultimately wow. end up saving you a day. Changed my state completely. And I said, okay, now, so I got, you know, so all the people that were in the, in the CEO meeting with me, I said, okay, I've heard all of you. Thank you. I've got it. I've got this. And they all got quiet. They got quiet. Can you ever fire them? Can you just say you're fired? No, because they're all, they're actually all here to help us. They're really good. Okay. They're really good. <laughs> they don't know. And, you know, and a lot of the work, you know, if, if in, in client sessions, I'll ask people like, how old does that part think you are? It is mind blowing because these parts think you're like two, seven, like all of these parts are coming from such a young age. It's never more than like 15. <laughs> and me asking you that question is definitely me, the adolescent, right? Like, right. I just fire him, fire him. Oh, no. And, and I you're have talking from the adult, like, no, they're really No, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how this all works. Okay. No, it's so funny. I have a lot of people that ask me if they can blow up the adolescent chair. And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> because no. that's the same part of us that says, look, there's a stop sign. You need to stop. Look, this is how you merge on the, under the expressway. Look, you know, that's that same part of the brain. We need that part. But what happens is if we don't add this adult energy in, then we it get it feels out of control and it is. It's like it's like a 10-year-old trying to drive a car. It's like, "What? No. Yeah. Let me drive the car, you get in the passenger seat." But honestly, I this really did happen to me just yesterday. I listened to those parts and I let them know. I let them talk. I don't correct them. This is, you know, it's amazing. This is reparenting us when we listen to those parts because all those parts just want to be heard. So we listen to those parts and then I decide. And I went back in and I busted it out till until the Grammys run. You know, I watched the Grammys. But I, I literally oh, you watched went, the Adele thing. I did. I had to be <laughs> silent when you guys were talking, but I did watch the Adele thing. It's amazing. <laughs> but, but when you got, you know, and I know myself having ADHD and my freaking husband is like the most organized person on the planet it makes me so mad and he's like why don't you put this in Evernote and why don't you you know scan that in and I I have like piles of very neat piles of paperwork all over the place and I'm like what's wrong with me why don't why can't I do that da, 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 da. and that voice starts going when I I'm telling you my DHD has changed because I listen to those voices and I'm bringing in this new energy. Those voices get quiet. Physiologically, things start changing inside of us. There's a new energy that comes in. It's this adult part of us, this very healthy adult. And that's when my life started to change, when I started bringing that that energy in and slowing down. So that that's was a really great. long explanation to your I question. I love but, it though. I mean, I love yeah. that explanation and I'm so glad you shared it. And, you know, something that I just want to acknowledge or observe when I was listening to you is you're not saying, oh, these this adolescent is never going to come back. Like you're not saying, oh, we're getting rid of them. Like I'm trying to fire them. You're like, no, they're going to keep, I mean, they're there to help you mm -hmm. and they're going to continue it showing up. And so- what I what I'm getting from this is that that's okay. They can show up, but let's as an adult listen to them and take the control back by 
making a more conscious decision of what you're going to do next or how you're going to respond. And I think that sometimes people assume or they think that these limiting beliefs should just be gone. Like they're just, okay, I'm going to shift my thought process and they're going to be gone, but they don't ever really go away. That's, that is in fact, the thing that has, has been one of the greatest gifts of just keeping this model in my head is, is that sometimes those voices are going to speak up when they are needed. And your job exactly. is to stop and say, okay, do I need you right now? Or you know what? I don't need you right now. I need to move over to the adult chair and and rationalize my way through this. Sometimes I do actually just need to merge onto the highway, you know, metaphorically speaking. But in this case, I need to be able to conquer my day and do it without the negative uh, negative spirit. Those parts of us want to know someone is in charge, so they don't really have to be. So they get quieter. Oh, right. I used they to get have quieter. Mm-hmm. I used to have so much anxiety and depression growing up, and I've done a lot of work on myself. and And I've noticed since this model, those voices are I don't they're they're not there. I don't have anxiety anymore. I don't have um, mood swings or any of that anymore. It's gone. But I've really gotten to know all these voices. They're not bad. We need them. If I'm walking to my car at the mall at nine thirty at night by myself, and my car is parked like half a mile out. I want my fear to come up for me. I want to be alert and aware. I don't mm-hmm. want to be walking to my car just unaware. So that's when it's a good thing. I want that. Mm-hmm. You want your instinct to, sh- to come up when it needs to, like if something's not yes. right. Yeah. 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 I want to like be looking around going, is there anyone, you know, should I be walking by myself? Am I okay here? So all of a sudden when that happens, we're grateful we have those parts. But those parts don't know that there is a CEO. They don't know that there's an adult. So we have to introduce this part to them. And when we do that, I promise the ruminating thoughts they change. Do we still have fear-based thoughts? Yes. Do I still have days like yesterday where where the more fear I sat in, the faster these thoughts came? However, I got myself out of it, I'm not kidding you, in five minutes, gone. Well, and and what I'm hearing too is that they change and and you, you really don't believe them because you are coming back as an adult, as the CEO and saying, no, I've got this. And I love that. Like, I've got this. I've, I, yes. and, and I think that that's, that's big. I mean, that's a big aha moment for me to share with clients because it's like, that's that turning point of you don't believe them anymore. Exactly. You have, yeah. You well, are finding enough inside of yourself to know that you've got this, like you can take this on. If you're 10 years old, let's say, or six years old, pick an age that's under 12, and you're really scared, wouldn't you want an adult to come in that's healthy and say, you know what, Nick, Nikki, I've got this. I've got it. All of a sudden, everything in your being that's all tight relaxes. Mm-hmm. So when we we have to learn how to talk to ourselves, we're not good at that. When we feel stressed like that, what do we do? We go for a glass of wine. We go get high. We go have sex. We sit down and watch YouTube videos or we play a video game or TV. We do something to numb out these voices because nobody ever taught us what to do with them except to numb out. So I'm offering listen to the voices. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard someone, I don't remember who said it, um, Sit down and have a cup of tea with whoever's talking to you in your head and get to know that part. That's, this is, you know, the other part that, the other thing that, that happens with this model is we learn how to love ourselves. This is how it happens. When I get to know these 
voices in my head. Then I sit down, I get to know them. Now I can honestly sit and say, because there's a few that, that, that come up and I'll say, oh yeah, there's my lonely feeling but it doesn't trigger me. I used to get so triggered. I'd be in bed, depressed over, I'm so lonely. Now I go, oh yeah, there's lonely. It's like an old friend. I go, oh yeah, Hmm. yeah. I know that it'll be here and then it'll be gone and then life goes on. But I'm not like in bed over it and crying over it. It's like, oh yeah, I feel lonely, but it's going to go in about an hour. It'll be gone. Okay. So it, it changes the game when we get to know these parts. We need to learn not to shame ourselves for who we are. That's another, that's another piece with this adult. It's like, own it. I hid from my clients for years that I had ADHD. I hid from my clients for years that I was ever depressed or ever had anxiety because I thought, well, I'm this therapist and this life coach. I need to be perfect because if they don't see me as perfect, then they're not going to come see me. And it was such a mask that I was holding up for like so many years. Then I learned this work and this model. And I realized in telling people and sharing my story, it makes me more human Mm -hmm. and more relatable. It's like, well, I've worked through it now. You know, I I don't feel that way anymore, Mm -hmm. but I did. And I struggle to this day with ADHD, but that's even changed. Honest, Honest to God, with the adult energy now, I'm not as disorganized and I have less piles and I work through my things and my brain, although Pete knows, sometimes my, I have a memory thing. I'm like, did I email this? I can't remember. <laughs> and he gets frustrated. That's okay. I but do you know not. What? But I own it. It's like own that you have ADHD. If somebody says to you, why do you do that? Be like, I have ADHD. But I, here's the thing. We can say it from the adolescent chair, the statement, well, I have ADHD, like it's an excuse and, 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 and it's and I'm apologizing for who I am, which no, thank you. I used to do that. Now I say it from my adult, which is a fact. It's truth. And I own who I am. I own mm-hmm. all of who I am. I'm like, yes, I do have that. And it's like, oh, <laughs> no one That's says it. anything. That's back. the end of the conversation. You know what I mean? it's that like, is right there. What you just said is is why I wanted to invite you to this show. That is I that's know, the the core lesson right it. there. Why are we the difference hiding of who saying we are? It. Yeah, yeah. Saying it from your adolescent chair versus your adult chair. Once you understand how you move back and forth between these chairs, you can make uh, you can have a better sense of the fact that I have ADHD means something different depending on who you are when you're saying it, and that is an incredibly profound kind of statement for me, certainly. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. When yeah. we own who we are and all of our blemishes, and I would just call that, you know, who cares if you have ADHD? Big deal. Really? Like I did too. I do too. And then the anxiety. I had that. Depression had that. I was on and off meds, hated them. Who cares? Like who cares? And I've been I've been doing my, my work now for about 20, 25 years. I've sat in enough groups um, and trainings where I have heard so many people's stories, in addition to probably thousands of clients, everybody has stuff from their past. Everybody, everybody. So many people live with anxiety. So many people had the alcoholic dad. So many people were abused, but nobody talks about it. We hide behind these masks. So if, if you have ADHD, own it, but not from an excuse or an apology place. It's just like, yeah, who cares? It's kind of yeah. like if you walk up to, if you have like a big giant zit on your face and you walk up to your friend, you go, <laughs> yes, I know I have a zit on my face. What are they going to say? Like, yeah, I guess you do. Okay. And life goes on mm-hmm. versus 
if you walk up and you try to hide it and you say nothing and your friends are like, oh my God, what's on your face? It looks ridiculous. It's like, it changes when you come up and you own it first. This is awesome. <laughs> Michelle, thank you yeah, so much. Great conversation. Totally great. Uh, and and I, I hope folks get something out of that. Certainly get, get something out of it the way I got something out of that. That was such a treat. I'm so glad. Also, to uh, break down the walls and have you guys meet each other, Michelle and Nikki. This has been so fun. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I, now, I would, uh, I, I would ask you where people can find you, uh, Michelle, but I already know. Do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? Well, the Adult Chair Podcast. <laughs> Hosted by Pete Wright. <laughs> so far, so and, good. Uh, MichelleShelfont.com. And it yes. will be in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, it will. Yes. Wait, what Keep else going. You You're say? doing great. It'll be in the, the show notes. Okay, I have a Facebook page and I have a private, which I have to say, I like it. I love it. Even more than the makes, fan page. It, yeah, it makes this Facebook closed, better. This closed Facebook group where we exclusively, we, I just launched it a month ago, and we work on living in our adult chair. It's, it's with like-minded people that really want to do their own work, and um, we're having so much fun in that group. Really vulnerable. And we've opened it up to men too, Pete. So it's men and women oh, can join now. that's so yeah. nice. <clears throat> Let's see. I have a book coming out next week, hopefully, and an, an intensives all over Probably four in the United States and even international. There you go. Super. How's fun. that? That's wow. so good. Uh, did I leave anything out? No, you did great. Okay. Although you didn't say that the latest episode is about tantric sex of the podcast, <laughs> and that's you know, I've heard that sex just got sells. everybody's attention. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's Pete's so, favorite episode so far. <laughs> I I forwarded it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Our this has been. Be like, huh? uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, this is uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for your time, Michelle. Thank you, thank you, Nikki. Thank you for it's, coming it, on the show. Yeah, it's an honor to be on your show. Thanks for having me. And Pete, as always, you're such a good host. Thanks. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> on behalf of two of my very favorite people, Michelle Chalfant and Nikki Kinzer, thank you all for your time and attention. Uh, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week right here on the ADHD Podcast. <laughs>